It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. All right, welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. I am thrilled to be here. We've got a great show for you. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be their best. Everyone wins. We're going to talk about kids today. Our special guest is Brett Grayson. He wrote a book called What Could Go Wrong? And anybody who has kids knows that anything can go wrong when you have kids. It's called My Mostly Comedic Journey Through Marriage, Parenting, and Depression also. So it's a serious book as well as a fun book. And Brett's going to be out here in a couple minutes. We'll have a fun interview because he's had a bunch of challenges uh, between uh, pregnancies, his wife's pregnancies, and having two children and um, it always it hasn't always been smooth for him. But let me tell you a little bit about myself and my take on having kids. Uh, being an older dad, um, when I finally got married, <laughs> I decided that, you know, I would like to be a dad, but I'm not going to force it on the, the woman. So if she's had kids already, uh, that's okay. If she wants to have a child together, that's okay. If she doesn't want to have kids, that's okay. We'll see what happens. Well, as it turned out, she got pregnant, and uh, my wife uh, had a child. Uh, he's five now. He's going to turn six, just about to turn six. And uh, wow, a lot of surprises, a lot of priceless life lessons. And I'm so glad to have uh, taken on this journey, this part of my life. I had no idea. I had no idea that it was going to be like this, as anybody who's had kids uh, can attest to. I did not get any books on parenting. I did not take a Lamaze class with my wife. Uh, I consider her the smartest person I know. So thankfully, I knew I'd have somebody who knew what they were doing and uh, steering the wheel, at least during the infancy. I I thought that I'd be able to relate to the kid once he was or she was ready for sports and Little League, whatever. That was kind of dumb and selfish. And of course, that turned out to be completely wrong (laughs) because I've been totally immersed in fatherhood uh, ever since I caught my son coming, coming out of my wife. And, uh, you know, it's been a real journey. And my son's been my greatest teacher, and he's a really cool little person. And uh, I find just, you know, when I go to kindergarten to pick him up or whatever, that uh, all the kids that age nowadays, they seem really spiritually and consciously advanced uh, in ways that I don't, I don't recall being that way when I was that age. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too old to remember correctly, but... Uh, I didn't think it was that way. I think the kids nowadays, they're, they're pretty darn advanced and they're pretty conscious, which is a good thing for us, a good thing for the planet, the good, a good thing for our future uh, with all the crazy stuff going on. So let me just give you a quick snapshot of the last couple of years. So year one, as we all know, it's about eating, sleeping, pooping, crying. Mother and son, uh, they do a lot of bonding there. Yeah, you know, the guys, we have to wipe the kid's butt and change diapers and do a lot of the laundry and all of that stuff and make sure everything's good between uh, my uh, the, the wife, the mom, and the, and the baby and make sure everybody's uh, in a good place. Um, year two is a little less intense, uh, a little more sleeping going on. Um, and then first you see, you know, when the child starts to crawl, then uh, my son, he pulled himself up. And then finally he stumbled a few steps and we got it on video, which was great. He still ate and slept and pooped a lot, but... Uh, Hey, so do I. So at least at this point, uh, he was mobile and demonstrating uh, distinctive personality traits at age two. Notice that he had a kind of a willful personality. Um, I thought that he would be half like my wife and half like me, but of course that was completely wrong also. He's 100% like him, 
but he does share our strong personalities, uh, and he's been his own little person from the from the go. And as I mentioned, he's willful, but very pleasant too. Very nice kid, and he disarms other kids in the playground and stuff. And uh, he really gets kids to play with him, and he's he's a lot of fun. So when he was two, he developed a lot of the likes and dislikes that kids do at that age, and I noticed he smiled a lot too. And my wife and I were both big readers, so we read a lot of books to him, and magically he just connected with the stories we picked out. And, of course, at that age, the kids want the same thing over and over again, and he had good taste. So Good Night Moon, of course, for some reason, all kids love that book. And then we also like The Giving Tree and Ferdinand, which became a movie, and he loves that movie also. The Dr. Seuss books and some of the like Thomas books and things like that. And we showed him some videos. We kept it kind of gentle because, you know, if you turn on the TV and you look at some of the kids' movies, they're pretty rajasic and pretty active, a lot of quick cuts, and they're pretty in your face and stuff. And there's a lot of violence, too. So we we have kind of uh, kept that out of his way. And uh, let's see, by the time he turned three, then he was waking, getting out of bed on his own, which is great. And, and um, we found him, he would just slip out to the living room each morning and kind of, he'd be flipping through a stack of books on the couch. That's kind of good. You, because, you know, something like getting into reading, that's, you can't, you can't force anybody to do that. Kids are going to do that if they have a passion for it. And if they don't, they don't. But we're fortunate because there's nothing better for you, in my opinion, than being a, being a reader. Because you can do it your whole life, and it's a great way. You can just continually educate yourself. I mean, here I am on Guys Guys Radio. I get a great education from my guests. Um, then in four-year-olds, you know, that a lot of socialization. They get into pre-K, playing in the playground. Uh, and I noticed my son, he went from being kind of the victim of kids pushing around, and then he was starting to push kids around, and then it all kind of evened out. So that's great. And now he's in, um, he's in kindergarten, and I notice he likes some kids and other kids he doesn't like. And it's, it's all for different reasons. And, but he does his own thing. He, marched to his own, he marches to his own drummer, and that's great. Um, I'm kind of a task guy. I have to put myself, I have to be organized. I have to do things in a certain order. I'm, I'm not OCD or anything, but uh, when I'm on, I'm on. And I, I wanted to get my son kind of like, let's get moving. Time to get dressed in the morning or when we're getting ready for bed in the evening. And, uh, of course, it's totally random for kids because every day is a completely new day. They don't know anything about routine. And I guess that's a, that's a good thing. But I found now over time he knows, okay, got to eat the breakfast, got to put some clothes on in the morning, and then I, I walk him to school. And it's great. And now he likes uh, art. He loves music. He figured out with an old phone how to turn on the music player and uh, find some of the play. He makes his own playlists. At five, that's pretty good. He reads those uh, Roland uh, Ro- Roald Dahl, I think's the guy's name, who wrote Fantastic Mr. Fox and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and a lot of those books that have been turned into movies that kids really love. He loves that, and um, at, when he's playing around with the music, he discovered my Stones' 40 Licks Greatest Hits CD, and he plays that music all the time. He loves the Stones and the Beatles, and kind of classic rock. He's not... He's not there with the hip-hop yet, but we'll see what happens out or any head-banging music. But he likes reggae, he likes jazz, he likes the Stones, he likes the Beatles, he likes Springsteen. I think he's got pretty good taste. Movies, uh, now, you know, we, we give him a video as a kind of reward. He likes Fantastic Mr. Fox now, Peter Rabbit, Ferdinand. And when it comes to sports, I'm a big sportsman, and I love baseball and soccer, so I got him involved in that. He, he, he's like okay on that. He's really sparked a swimming note. I asked him if he wanted to do Taekwondo. He said, no. I said, why? He says, is that too, too much fighting, too violent? Not into that. 
So interesting. So it, the great thing about kids is they, they're their own little people. They have their own little personalities. And, you know, the, you guys out there and ladies who have kids, you understand this. And you, if you don't have kids yet, you'll, you'll quickly learn when you have them that it's a real experience and it's, uh, there's nothing like it. And I highly encourage it. So anyhow, we have a great show. As I mentioned, uh, Brett Grayson's going to be out and we're going to get into that. And uh, it's Guys Guys Radio. Thanks. I really wanted to bring a special guest on today, Brett Grayson. He's written this book called What Could Go Wrong? My Mostly Comedic Journey Through Marriage, Parenting, and Depression. And he's a New York, New Jersey guy like myself. And he's got two kids and a wife and a successful career. And he's managed to juggle everything along with being a dad. And his journey is uh, fascinating. It's fun. Um, it's uh, poignant and it makes you think a lot because he's gone through a lot and having kids is now, it's not always just a game and all fun. There are serious uh, implications to it and it really changes your life. And I think in a good way. And, uh, with that in mind, let's bring out our, our special guest, Brett Grayson. Welcome to guys, guys radio, Brett. Hi, thank you for having me, Robert. Okay. Let's uh, talk about, um, what inspired you, you know, you're a business guy, uh, working in the city. What inspired you to write the write this book? Well, I, my wife would say maybe a midlife crisis, um, uh, but as as far as on, on a practical level, what inspired me was uh, we had finally settled down. Uh, we bought a house in 2016. Uh, we finally settled down to where we were we were going to be long term, and at that point, I said to myself, uh, it, "It's time for us to." Uh, you know, for, for me to start considering, is this what I want to do the rest of my life as a lawyer? So I, I, I sat there and debated a little bit and I said, you know what, we've been through a lot. Uh, there's a lot that people can relate to, both good and bad, and crosses a lot of different categories, uh, which I get into in the book. And I said, you know, I, I feel I'm at a stage in my life where I do have a story that people might be interested in. Uh, and I said, Let, you know, let's give it a shot. So I sat down, I rented an office space actually in Englewood Cliffs, Two days a week, uh, that you know, for for me, uh, for me not to have to um, uh, drive into the city, and uh, went from there. Or sit in, or sit in Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, it was which I did a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but uh, three 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 days I'm in, in Manhattan, still doing it. Two years later, three days I'm in Manhattan, and uh, two days I'm out there, and I said sat, uh, sat down every day, Tuesdays and Fridays, and started writing this thing, and here we are. And then you did a nice job building it because it's, uh, you know, one of the great things about uh, so, the, so many books that have come out now and people getting an opportunity to get books out there is that they can, they, they you know, everybody follows a formula to a certain extent, but it, it, it's allowed the, uh, there's an elasticity now where people can tell a story in the way they want to tell it. And that's part of the writing style. And I think it's a really great thing. And you know, your book was a lot of fun going through it because there was a lot of twists and turns along, along the way. So good job there, Brett. Thank um, you. Let's talk about macro first. Like, what do you think is the most challenging thing about being a parent um, now that you've had the chance to look back a little bit uh, on the on the uh, experience? You have two kids, right? I do. My my son is four. My daughter is six. Uh, the okay. book cut. I think I cut off their ages at uh, two and four. Uh, maybe th as they were getting to three and five, it was a cutoff point. Uh, they're a couple years later now. Uh, challenges are slightly different than they were when I wrote the book. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but we're still, I don't exactly have teenagers at this point. I mean, uh, uh, we're still in the heart of, of it. Uh, if I was writing the book today, there'd be less, probably less diaper and poop jokes. Uh, but other than that, not much has changed. Um, as far as what, uh, uh, what's changed, what's the biggest challenge on a macro level, I would say, um, getting them to follow any sort of set schedule <laughs> that's required. Uh, their perception of time could not be further from reality. Uh, it's not improving. I hope it improves at some point, but we're still at a stage where the process of getting them up and getting them to school every day, the process of getting them showered and to bed every night, uh, yeah, the process of getting them to eat their dinner, uh, things that we take for granted that are that come a little second age to us as adults, uh, kids, basically their job is to resist it. And I would say that my wife and I pull our hair out of our heads trying to figure out how we're going to get that accomplished. So I would say right now that's probably the hardest thing we're having you know, we're having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like every day is a new day. It's like starting over. I know with my son, he's finally pretty much gotten into the routine of I can get him up and get him ready for school and have breakfast. And then he's ready. And he's like, do I have time to play? That's really good. And I've told him, if you make it to school on time, then you get a video later. And that's been uh, all the motivation he needs. When it comes time to going to bed at night, that's a whole different situation because he finds all these different excuses not to go to sleep. And it's like, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this, Brett, is like, you know, it's like with eating or sleeping. If the kid's not hungry, you can't, you know, they have to eat, but what are you going to do if they're not eating? Like you can't force the food down their throat. You know, they need it, but you know, if they're not hungry, they're not going to eat. And the same thing with sleeping. If they're not ready to go to sleep, like my son, fortunately he reads well for a five-year-old and he likes to have his independent reading line time before he goes to sleep. But, you know, some of those things that make us, they make us flexible because we have our set routines and we're so, uh, you know, we're so trained by our culture. And one of the great things about kids is that, you know, they're not, and then ultimately they will be, and maybe that's going to be a sad thing. I don't know. What are your thoughts on all of that? Um, I think that the, the trickiest part is you can fall into a, uh, into a situation where, it becomes about rewards and threats. Uh, all we're do, we, I find myself doing a lot of the time is if you don't do this, you don't get that. If you do, this, <laughs> if you do this, you get that. And it's it's number one, it's not fun for them. Right. Uh, you know, you feel like you're constantly holding something over their heads. Uh, but I'm not sure how you're exactly getting them to conform. It's supposed to get them to conform to what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, they need food to survive. You would think. We'd be far along enough uh, through evolution that they would that our, that our kids would would naturally take to eating. But my daughter, from the time she was born um, to, to, to today, uh, we're six years in, and I can't I can't tell you five meals that we've had that I have not that has not been a struggle. Uh, it's not all kids. Some kids are good eaters. Um, but usually there's some, something else that they give you a hard time about. My daughter with, with my daughter, it's food. With my son, it's uh, it's routine. It's getting him ready in the morning. It's getting him to bed at night. And I'm not sure what the answer is. We've read parenting books. We've we've talked about it. We've uh, the, our new strategy uh, is uh, is a reward like a praise system where we praise them for even the most 
uh, nominal things that they do so that they look they look for praise as you know I guess the thing that my wife's have been reading about is that we're so used to getting animated when when we're upset that they're not doing things but at the same but when they do something good like get dressed you're not going to start jumping up for joy it's not human nature but if you hit your brother you uh you, you're going to freak out about it and and we're trying to turn that on ahead where when they do the most basic things we react positively. Is it working? I don't know. I think maybe things have improved a little bit, but we are still trying to find this out. I think that one of the things that, that I talk about a lot in the book, in the third part of the book, because the book's broken up in different parts, the pregnancy, some of our concerns, but one of the things I talk about later in the book and one of the things that I write about almost almost exclusively now in, in my blogging, because that's what I'm going through, uh, is uh, just how uh, hard it, all this stuff is to, to get right, just how hard it is to get them to do anything that you want them to do and what I what you need to do to fix that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I always say my son's my greatest teacher, uh, along with my wife, of course, but my son really, he's really done a lot. And one of the things is, you know, I have a friend of mine, my attorney, he said, oh, you know, it'll be better because you're an older dad, you'll have more patience. I have found the exact opposite to to be true because I thought I had patience and I realized like when you're dealing with the randomness of a, a little toddler or something, it's really difficult to be patient. Uh, how has your experience been in terms of patience? You have a, an older daughter and a younger son, a lot of different dynamics going on there and all the things that happened in the book that we'll get into are factors also. But how uh, have you been uh, challenged uh, from a patient standpoint, Brett? Constantly. And um, uh, I my wife and I are a little bit of good cop, bad cop, mm -hmm. um, and not intentional. I think that before we had kids, if you had asked me who was going to be the good cop, who was going to be the bad cop, I probably would have said I would have been the good cop and she would have been the bad right. cop. Right. Uh, it's the opposite, right? It turned out completely the opposite, <laughs> mostly because I am not, I have less patience than she does. Um, it comes more naturally to her. I think that, um, and I'm not saying this for gender reasons, just that just so happens to be the case. She's far more nurturing than I am. Uh, and uh, I find that I fly off the handle a lot easier. That's some of it has to do with probably some of them, you know, I talk about in the book a little bit of my mental health stuff. Uh, some of it has to do with uh, just my personality in general. I think that uh, in general, I look back to when I was a kid and, and I, had, I had a temper. So as far as patience is concerned, I have to, take deep breaths. I have to, you know, control myself. Does it work? A lot of the time, no, but uh, right. hopefully I'm getting a little better. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, and it also, you know, when you fly off the handle, uh, I'm saying just in general, because uh, I do it too with my son. I'm like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, why out of anybody in the world am I raising my voice to a level that I don't use to the person, uh, one of the two people that I love the most, and then I feel so terrible, like, oh, why did I let that get to me? Yet it's so trying when, the, you know, the kids, and I'm sure our audience and our listeners can relate to this, to the ones that have kids and those who don't, this is what you're in for, that they really, not on purpose, but the kids really are there to train us and they really try patience and it makes you look at yourself in a whole different way. Do you find that, Brett? Yeah, I find that, and I also find that I don't. I, I'm trying to think if I've ever talked. I've never talked about this, um, uh, but I've been thinking about this a, a little bit in the last few days. Uh, that there is a a dynamic that's set up between uh, between us and our kids, where frankly, because we're a lot bigger physically than them, we're a lot more experienced than them, 
that there's a control element to it mm-hmm. where I find myself feeling like, like, why am I being, like you said, loud with my kid? And I find myself saying, like, am I taking advantage of the fact that uh, this is a person who's much smaller than me? I mean, you have these weird thoughts. I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't, I don't abuse them, but I say, I say to myself, you know, if I'll direct my son into the shower, if he's not listening, you know, I'll be like, uh, am I doing this because I could not do this to another person? I can't tell, my, I can't tell people I work with. I can't grab them, you know, them by, by, by the head and direct them into, into a place. So like there's an element where, uh, you know, I definitely fall short of, of ever being physical with them, but I definitely feel that the dynamic between us is uh, one of parent, child, one of a uh, much larger person, much smaller person. And I have to resist that with both of them. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. All right. The, our special guest on uh, Guys Guys Radio, Brett Grayson. Again, the name of the book is What Could Go Wrong? My Mostly Comedic Journey Through Marriage, Parenting, and Depression. So let's get into the book. You talk about marriage, parenting, and depression. Tell us about how you laid the book out and how those factors come into play throughout your story. Um, well, marriage uh, goes without saying. Um, uh, this would not have happened without my wife and I. Uh, we met and I tell that story, we met uh, in a, a little bit of unusual, we met in 2001 on a vacation in Aruba. Um, we were with our families and uh, uh, we met at a restaurant and she was a lot younger than me. And uh, we were together a long time. She was in college at the time and it was a long journey to get to the point where we would, we would get married and move forward. As far as um, well, let me stop you. Let me stop this. So, did you notice um, just for an insight standpoint, um, yeah. the difference once you get married? That's yeah. the, for some people. Hey, maybe they've been living together and it's just a piece of paper. For other people, it changes everything. What was it like for you? I don't think it changed everything for us. We were, we were living together for a long time beforehand, which which I think helped. As being starting to date at a young age, I think you get to know each other. You know the ins and outs. Um, but um, transitioning to the, to the, the issue of, of, of parenting, uh, what's very unusual about it was not the day we got married. What was very unusual about it was having children and how that changed our relationship tremendously. I find that you think you know a lot about a person and you think you've maybe had discussions about kids and things like that, but there's no way to know how your spouse is going to parent how, what kind of person your spouse is going to be until they actually have the kids and until that moment comes uh, uh, in the middle of the night uh, when when your kid is, is uh, waking up and you're debating whether or not you should let them cry or not, things like that. There's a lot of those moments uh, you start to have between each other where you start your marriage changes. And like I said, the dynamic, the good cop, bad cop, the uh, decisions you make for them, uh, those are things that change tremendously with regard to my marriage. Um, and with regard to the mental health stuff, uh, we both had our share of mental health issues. Mine predated children. Uh, I've been dealing with uh, some mental health stuff going back to probably my early 20s. Um, and I talk a little bit about that. Um, it, I've begun to write a little bit about it. And uh, it's amazing. Of all the pieces that I've written, uh, uh, I would say that the greatest feedback I've gotten, the most response has been for people regarding mental health. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that people don't talk about a lot, and I'm glad that people are talking about now. 
Um, and I think uh, in the book, I definitely go into a lot of that stuff. My wife's stuff didn't really start until after uh, we had kids. And um, uh, there was, she started to go through some postpartum and that was brutal. Um, I thought that it was, I had not really seen a father talk about it from the father's standpoint. By all means, uh, I don't deserve the sympathy that she, that she deserves uh, in telling that story, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't going through it. It doesn't mean that I didn't have thoughts. And uh, that was a very interesting time uh, as far as, uh, as as my role as the, as the father and husband to go through that with her. All right. Just for context, you know, we don't have to do a deep dive on it. What was the uh, mental health issue that you were addressing? That's something that's been with you. Was it depression? I mentioned OCD. What what, what was it exactly? Um, I think a lot of them fall. I've I've gotten got hit with all of them in a, to a, to a degree. Um, some anxiety, some depression, some OCD. Uh, I, the depression was probably the most serious. Um, uh, whether that's due to a chemical issue or whether that's due to uh, decisions I made in my life, uh, hard to tell. Uh, sure. stuff that you talk, you're just okay. talking about work out in therapy, but yeah. Okay. So the, the reason I asked, um, because you, your, your wife went into postpartum after she had, uh, your first child, right? Yes. The, your daughter. And then, so if you had some issues that you've always wrestled with and then she had a depression issue, wow, that's, that's a lot that can add, you know, some weight onto the third factor, which is now you have a child too. How did you kind of keep it all together? Um, bizarrely, um, I tend to thrive and do a little bit better in situations in which I have to step up. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't choose that as the reason why I needed to feel better and step up. But um, when she was going through what she was going through, um, uh, I, you got a kid, you got no choice. Um, so I think that we tend to zigzag with each other um, in terms of dealing with these kind of things. Is that a good thing? I don't know, but mm -hmm. it, it's probably good to have one parent who's doing a little better than the other at, at a certain time. Okay. So uh, you had your daughter and then a couple of years, two years later, you had your son and your son has, uh, let me make sure I got it correctly. Yeah. Um, he was born um, with a diagnosis. Uh, well, actually, we didn't know 100% until he came out, but when he came out, they had diagnosed him with clipochinone, and eventually, it was the diagnosis was changed to cloves. So he has cloves. What's, um, the, dif what's the difference between the two for our listeners? I, and I for believe, me too. Yeah, I believe clipochinone is is more vascular based, um, okay. and cloves is uh, is is more of an overgrowth syndrome. Mm -hmm. okay. in the cloves community, and uh, the few people that know that more about me might be cringing if they hear this because I might not be totally right about it, but, um, but they're in the same family. They're in the same department. They're considered vascular anomalies where you have, where you have certain things going on inside your body and your vascular system are compromised. They cause what's called poor wine stains, like these red marks on your body. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the overgrowth thing is something that's a little bit unique to cloves, I believe. Um, and in a sense, it's semantics. I mean, um, it's so rare that it doesn't necessarily change the treatment that they that you receive. Um, it, we're not at a stage yet in terms of uh, understanding about these conditions uh, that there's going to be a vastly different uh, process that they go through. But um, yeah, uh, as far as when we knew, we uh, he we knew something was going on with his foot um, uh, while my wife was pregnant. They they saw something, uh, but they didn't know until he came out really just um, 
the severity of it. Mm-hmm. And it was shocking. Um, we went through a, a, a lot of stages of, uh, I, I hate to use the word, but we went through stages of grief. Um, and, um, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed uh, to say that to a degree um, that you go through it when there's people who are much worse off, there's people who have children that don't survive. Um, and he's up and walking and talking now and uh, right. uh, thriving, doing, doing well. But you don't necessarily know that when, you know, at the, at the time. Um, so there were a lot of uncomfortable conversations we had uh, at the time that were, that were hard to admit to ourselves. Um, and you don't sign up for this. Um, so that was another thing that, you know, we really didn't understand what we were getting ourselves into. We were very overwhelmed by it. Um, but, um, look, it is what it is. Um, uh, you know, in a way he's a, he's a special kid. Uh, you know, and I, I think that that, uh, it creates uniqueness and importance to sure. his life that, uh, that one day ho- hopefully he will utilize in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, is he aware of uh, that he might be, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, a little bit different than some of the other kids his age? Because uh, you know how kids are. When you get to a certain point, they, you know, they get they can be aggressive or mean or whatever. But um, the most important thing is like uh, the, the child having a um, awareness of who he is and what what his situation is. Uh, he does not. He does not know. Um, my he's four and a half. Um, we've been up to, uh, we, we, we moved his treatment up to Boston and we've been up to Boston a handful of times with him and he's undergone, uh, some testing under anesthesia and all that. Nothing that was so invasive that there would be a serious recovery period where we necessarily had to explain to him what was going on. Unfortunately, we, he does have something coming up, uh, in March, uh, that we are going to have to, uh, that's going to be a little bit more serious that we are going to have to, I guess, potentially sit down and talk with him about, uh, but we're not looking forward to it. My daughter, my daughter has noticed, you know, my daughter has made comments, um, which is only normal. Um, and, um, we've sort of tried to explain that's how he was born. That's how he was made. As a four and a half year old, kids are not commenting yet. It's something that that right. moves me greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. We're not here yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, drop back a little bit because you've had some challenges uh, along the way. I feel so blessed. And when I read your story, I was I was heartbroken in a way because I, I was I was lucky. I'm an older dad. My wife was older, and um, you know she had some issues with her pregnancy because she was in her early forties, but. You know, uh, the you know she had the baby within four hours of labor, and she's a yogi, so I think that helped. And she mm-hmm. kind of popped him out, and uh, I caught him, and, uh, and we've been running hard since then. But you had to go through uh, uh, many more uh, challenges and issues. Um, talk to us a little bit about some of the uh, things that can happen during pregnancy that can be you know that are surprising and that uh, people should be aware of who are going to have kids. Um, well, there's a, there's a lot especially of, if you're a guy, you know, just yeah. especially for the guys, because, you know, when you see that baby pop out, uh, you know, you don't look at the women the same way for a while, right? Yeah. There's a lot of funny things that happen during pregnancy. Um, there's a lot of funny things that happen, uh, uh, during the birthing process. Uh, you see some things that you wish you had not seen, uh, and it, and it affects, uh, you know, your, your vision of, of what you think intimacy is supposed to be like and, and all that. But look, we you bounce back. I mean, uh, the, it's, I, I talk about some of the funny things that I saw and what I thought it related to and what and how, uh, to be honest, grossed out I was and all that. And uh, I don't think that that's, that's wrong to say because I think that a lot of people feel that way. 
Um, and yet we, you know, it doesn't change how I feel about my wife, how attracted I am to her, um, you know, but there, there's, a, there's a recovery period uh, in, in all that, the recovery period in your uh, intimate uh, relations. Uh, and as far as the pregnancy, the pregnancy is, uh, is, is wild. I mean, it's, it's exciting. Uh, a lot of funny things happened to us during our daughter's pregnancy. Um, we took a Lamaze class. Uh, Tell us about some- that. Because uh, I didn't do anything. I got a book, I read it, and I just followed my wife's lead, and uh, that was it. And maybe I was wrong, but uh, it was almost like I wanted to be uh, blissfully uh, ignorant. And uh, I don't know if that was the right decision, but um, we didn't do the Lamaze thing. Tell us about that, and if you recommend it. I hope my Lamaze teacher is not listening. Um, (laughs) um, I, I did not find it to be very helpful. Um, I found it to be very entertaining, and and I'm glad I had a source of uh, of writing for me. Um, you know, th- theoretically, you're there because they're trying to uh, um, prepare you for what's going to happen. They're they're working with you on your breathing. They're trying to educate you on on those moments. Uh, uh, what's going to happen? You know, during, you know that that last uh, those last hours, and we followed it to a T. We brought a huge medicine bowl with us to the hospital uh, and all that. And it all goes out the window. I mean, you know, I mean, your, your, your wife's in pain, so she wants an epidural. Mm-hmm. And once she has an epidural, she's comfortable and, 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 it, and it sort of plays itself out. Uh, it, you know, you meet people that are going through the same process. We've made a couple of friends that we're still in touch with. So if from a social standpoint, uh, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But from a, a pure, let's educate you on the birthing process, let's make you experts by taking you through this in a couple of hours, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the purpose of it was. Okay. When you had your first child, did you uh, find out ahead of time uh, what the sex was going to be? And um, if so, uh, or if not, do you recommend doing that? We did not find out what the sex was going to be. We wanted it to be a big surprise, um, uh, which wound up being a, another funny experience because you're constantly looking for pronouns okay. uh, throughout the, every time you go to the doctor, you spend, uh, <laughs> you spend all your time dissecting pronouns. For, for two people who did not want to know, you also are looking for clues, which doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yet it was, a, it was a great surprise. So we, and we did not find out. Uh, ultimately, we heard a lot of conflicting pronouns. So, uh, uh, and when she came out, it was very exciting. I really thought it, we were thought we were having a boy. Cool. Uh, so wound up being a surprise because it was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would recommend it. If you, if you're willing to go through that ride, uh, I recommend it. I, although I do miss, uh, regret, uh, maybe it wasn't around six years ago. Maybe it was all these exciting announcements that people have where they, uh, where I keep seeing on the videos on the internet where they, uh, where a cake explodes and uh, it's pink or it's blue. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. You know, yeah. maybe we maybe that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But um, we did we, we had one in one, so that's good. With my son, we had to find out because, as I said, there was some very right. good things. So um, we found out, and you know, they were both gratifying in their own way. But I say, if, if you can, if you can, if you can do it, if you can be patient, uh, if you don't feel like you have to decorate the baby's room ahead of time, right, uh, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about the whole nesting thing because I think uh, every guy who's married noticed that his wife goes into kind of this, uh, uh, you know, this stage similar to a, any type of uh, animal or bird or whatever, where they're kind of setting things up because they know things are going to change, where the guy's somewhat oblivious to it. How was it for you and your wife? Yeah, she um, uh, she had a couple of big pep talks with me uh, where. <laughs> 
where she said, you are, uh, you are not going to be leaving your clothes on the floor anymore. Uh, where she said, uh, this, this closet that you've, that you're taking up is not entirely your closet anymore. Uh, you know, she definitely, uh, checked up all the boxes that, that, that I've heard about, which was, you know, very logical, uh, you know, and, uh, there's a little bit of, as a father, there's a little bit of staying out of the way. I mean, in one sense, you're going through everything with her. Mm-hmm. In another sense, you're also trying to stay out of the way. Uh, you don't want to be a, a nuisance. You want to make it life as easy as possible for her. So it's, a, it's an interesting balancing act uh, that we went through. Okay. Um, what do you think the difference is parenting a, uh, the girls versus boys? Put the clothes aside if you can for your son, because he's four now. He's an individual. Um, do you notice the difference? And everybody has different personalities, of course, and we, we don't want to generalize. But, you know, uh, I see it when I, you know, with my son at school, he's got his own personality. The, the girls, they kind of, you know, they have their own kind of routine. The guys are a little bit more rough and tumble still. The girls, you know, play a little bit differently. What, what's it been like for you in terms of the education you've gotten from your kids in terms of how, uh, how different they are, uh, the sexes, if they are, and if so, how you manage that? Um, well, these days, uh, obviously, gender roles are not nearly as defined as they once were, right, right. And, and, and rightly so. Um, just by chance, uh, and we've not, not promoted this, uh, my kids have fallen very much into the, the stereotypical uh, uh, boy uh, banging, banging his head against the wall half the time right. and girl, uh, you know, wanting to dress up kind of half the time. I don't know that that's appropriate or uh, necessary these days. Um, I do, and as far as personality wise, my son is um, a lot, uh, has, a, has a worse temper than my daughter. My daughter is meaner. Uh, you know, uh, she's, she's mean to her brother, uh, a lot more than we'd like, a lot more than we'd like her to be. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, raising the two of them is very different. Strangely enough, um, my, I went, I was in San Antonio last weekend for, um, for dad to summit, uh, uh, which, you know, a lot of different dad writers. And I came home, um, on Sunday night and my wife and my daughter told me that they had a surprise. And I, well, I came into the house on Sunday night uh, and my daughter had cut five inches off her hair. Um, and she had this hair all the way down to her butt almost. And it was all the way shoulder length now, um, which was shocking to me as someone who was convinced the first six, six years of her life she was a princess. Mm-hmm. So maybe things are changing a little bit. Um, you know, How about the uh, that magic word that we hear a lot? Because I was reading a book and I was like, hey, you know what? I, I really don't hear this the way you've heard it. And I think it was from your daughter. And that is why, where you get a lot of whys. Why this? Why that? Why that? It just keeps going. My son has a different way of kind of manipulating and managing conversations, but he doesn't really put me in a corner on the defensive with why this, why that, why that. Every, every once in a while, but you, you seem to have experience where you get why and then another why and then another why on that when you give the responses. Talk to us about that. Yeah, my my son is is a bigger, is more into the why than my daughter. Um, okay. they, they both they both do it. Um, but my son is very curious about a lot of things. He's curious about, you know, the most, uh, mundane topics and he's also curious about like death and things that are uh, that I'm not sure how we're supposed to talk about with him. 
he asks why to a lot of things, which is uh, interesting. And we find ourselves dancing around a while out of the time because why answering why forces you to kind of uh, open their eyes to the realities of the world that we're spending a lot of time trying to prevent them from learning about uh, while they're enjoying their childhood. So, uh, so that's been an interesting uh, uh, thing to try to deflect a lot of the time. Got it. Um, let's switch gears again. Um, postpartum depression. Um, for the benefit of our guy listeners, um, tell us a little bit about you know what. How do you experience that as a man, and how do you do it the right way so you're supportive of your wife and it doesn't make you crazy thinking like uh, I hope she's not depressed about our life together. This is just something she has to go through. And and then how long does it take to get through it? Do you actually ever completely get through it? And I think a lot of people who haven't been in that situation are. Uh, don't know really much about it. So maybe you can educate our folks out there. Yeah, I mean, um, in one sense, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um, because a, a woman's role uh, as a mother during that time is incredible. It couldn't be more important. And it's confusing. Uh, and it, for my wife, it lasted quite a long time. It was a six, eight month period. Uh, it seems to be something that is, that a lot of new moms go through. So it's something that you need to be prepared that it might happen. And you need to be prepared that, as like I said before, you need to step up um, because it's going to end at some point. Um, and uh, in a way, you know, she's been through a ton. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's a hormonal thing. Right. And her, she's put her body through a lot. You can act like the, like, like the dad because you show up at all the doctor's appointments uh, that you think that you uh, have the same role and you're just as important, um, but your body didn't go through what her body went through. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's from best of my understanding from what we've learned, uh, it's a lot of her body recovering and a lot of the hormones that, that, that come out following a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Did you um, notice, uh, was there like snap, she's better, uh, uh, like an, an incident or whatever, or was it a progressive kind of... Uh, ongoing where, oh, she's getting better and now she's back to who I, the, the woman I married and before she got into this funk. That's, um, of course, it, not, not her fault, of course, but in any way. Yeah, it, it was, it was gradual for her. Um, she also went on medication, um, which, uh, which they deemed necessary at the time. So it's hard to tell whether or not it, if she flowed out of it naturally mm -hmm. or right. if the medication did it. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I would say it ran from about the time that my daughter was six months old to about a little bit after her first birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife is a is a full time working professional. She's a podiatrist, uh, so she's got a lot of responsibilities herself. Sure. And uh, you know, it was tough getting her back to her profession that we spent a lot of years working hard towards. You also mentioned some of the experiences that we go through when we take the, our kids out. Like I, And one of them is videos in the restaurant because you go to a restaurant and depend, obviously you have to find a restaurant that there's something that your kid can eat. Um, I went to, a, I, I had a free uh, a coupon for a place that I got for Christmas gift card and it was uh, a Saturday night and my wife and I went, my son's five, and he was the only kid there. And, um, you know, certain restaurants are um, more conducive to kids than, than others. That said, a lot of times, um, you know, you want to have a conversation with your wife or whatever. You're at the restaurant. The kid's playing around with the food. At a certain point, he's going to ask for a video. Um, you're, you're against videos. I'm like, okay, if you can put, if you can keep the sound really low and watch on the phone 
or he can put the headphones on. I'm okay if it's kind of second half of the meal as long as he's, he's uh, eating and kind of uh, moving, moving the process along. Talk to us about your experience there. I'm Restaurants against, and then videos. I'm against videos, but, uh, but that doesn't mean that I won the battle. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to think back. I, 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 just, uh, I just realized I think that pe- the reason why people in the 17 and 1800s uh, didn't live that long was maybe because uh, we, we thought it was maybe disease uh, and things like that. Uh, I think the real reason was they couldn't show their kids videos. Uh, uh, we've really, uh, we've gone back and forth on this. I mean, you want your kids to be present at the table with you. Uh, you want your kids to, to learn to talk and to eat and to, and to not be totally focused on the screen. And yet the quickest and only a lot of the time way to create peace, to create, to get, it's, it's like, a, it's like a cheat code to get to the end where they'll eat, where they'll not make a, uh, make a disturbance in the restaurant right. is the video. So we've, I, I, am trying to think of what I, you, you mentioned, uh, that I'm against it. I guess that's what I wrote in the book. Yeah. It was at that moment in time. I, I probably changed 50, 50 times since then. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, the other thing that kids do, you know, they'll, they'll lock into their video. You have a girl, so you've, uh, you've gotten into Frozen a lot. I haven't had that experience. It's been uh, um, Peter Rabbit, um, Ferdinand, and uh, the fantastic Mr. Fox. I highly recommend all three because they're not violent. They're not super aggressive. And um, you can watch them. There's layers. I watch Fantastic with my uh, Mr. Fox with my son. It's got a lot of layers to it. It's actually very well done. It's one of the few of those kiddie movies that uh, an adult can kind of uh, get and have fun with also. But anyhow, uh, let's get back. We're going to wind up here again. Guys, Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. My special guest is Brett Grayson. What Could Go Wrong is his book, My Mostly Comedic Journey Through Marriage, Parenting, and Depression. Um, we're wrapping up our discussion about uh, parenting and, and Brett's journey. You say something really important at one point. You say, from this that point on, I had a reason to get up each day. And, um, you know, a lot of us, a lot of guys, particularly, we go through high school and we're pretty wild. And then we go through college and we're crazy, too. And then we get out of college and, you know, you don't instantly become a grown up. I, I was probably worse behaved once I moved into New York for about, you know, five to 10 years or so, I went crazy. I was, you know, building my career, but it took a while uh, for, for, for me to kind of ground things. Um, obviously, when you have a kid, that's going to do it. So talk to us a little bit about that, how that changed your life and your wild ways. And then what was the most surprising thing that's happened to you that you've learned being a parent that you never expected? Um, I- you know, going back, going back to that, uh, uh, to that period of time, I'm sorry, what was your, what was the last thing that you asked? I, I, I missed uh, the most surprising thing about being a parent. I'm sorry. I kind of took two unrelated questions and put them together. Yeah. The, you know, as, as far as, uh, as far as it, it create, it creating, um, a reason to get up each day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first question you asked. Uh, I, through a lot of years of therapy, have sort of figured out that, uh, I came out of college and from a period of time from about 20 to 40, uh, actually 35 when I had my daughter really was trying to find a purpose, was trying to find a reason, uh, to, to do, to do things. You think that when you come, you know, I was an athlete growing up and that defines your identity. And, uh, uh, most of us don't become professional athletes. And, you know, then you go to college and college is, a, is totally not the real world. It's a, a bit of a right. home. 
And then you come out and you're in the real world and you're saying to yourself, what is, what am I, you know, I didn't have a tickle passion to what I wanted to do. So it's like, what is the reason that I'm, that I'm getting up every day? Well, what, just to go to work for the next 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, for me, I had a lot of trouble with, uh, with what I wanted to do with my days every day. And then when you have a kid, while it's not necessarily fair to them and uh, uh, to, to take on this level of importance, uh, all of a sudden uh, it, you have a built-in reason. You have a built-in yep. uh, some responsibility, yeah. um, and you're like, I, I should have done this before. Mm-hmm. I should have done this five ten years earlier. I would have found myself a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, I agree. So if I could, if I could go like back and do it again. I would have like four kids or something like that. I'm glad the way things turned out. I, I'm not a re- regretful person, but I never realized how much fun it is being a dad. And I think you would agree with that, Brett. Even with all the stuff you've had to go through, you love being a dad, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it's funny when you're in the heart of it, um, especially with kids at my age. And I, I would not, I would not define either of my children as being the easy kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think you're supposed to get one easy one and one hard one. Um, <laughs> I have not. We have not gotten the easy one yet. Um, well, maybe, maybe that one's coming. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry. You were going to say. Um, well, I just want to. We, we've we've had a great talk, so I just yeah. want to wrap it up. Um, why don't you uh, give your number one bit of advice for the guys out there who are going to become dads? And also tell us where they can find your book. They can find you, etc. And I'll give you an idea. You should have a dad podcast. I should? Yeah. Why not? But go ahead. Right. That's a separate conversation. But Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's interesting because I just feel I found my voice as a writer, but, uh, but as, as, far as, uh, as far as whether or not I can translate that to speaking about it, we'll see. But of course, I, that's always something I'd be interested in doing. My number one piece of, of parenting advice, uh, you know, uh, I would say more than anything, just uh, appreciate uh, every every moment that you have with these kids. Um, I think that we have the unique perspective of having a child who has medical issues and traveling up to a children's hospital and getting into it, uh, into, into this discussion again, but we get to see a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't realize just how lucky you have it. Right. If you have, if you have a kid who's just healthy. Got it. Okay. Um, great discussion. Uh, Brett, thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. Uh, you're a good guy. You're a guys guy. And I wish you all the best. But tell everybody where they can pick up your book and learn more about you and uh, et cetera. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm at brettgraysonbooks.com. That's my website that I blog on. I just uh, released a blog about a skiing trip we went on as a family. Uh, and I hate winter sports. I hate winter weather. And I, I complain for 15 <laughs> I complained for 1,500 words about about the winter. Got it. Um, so there's a lot of my not, usual nonsense that that I that I have on there. The book's available on Amazon um, exclusively. It's available paperback, and you can get it on your Kindle if you want. Just right. just, just put in Brett Grayson, and you should be able to find the book right there. Fantastic. Listen, great job. I really enjoyed it. And all the best with you, with you, your wife, your two children, and if you have some more. And uh, great meeting you. And uh, thank you for being our guest on Guys Guys Radio. Good job, Brad. Thanks for having me on. All right. 
back on Guys Guys Radio. Wow, that was a fantastic conversation with Brett Grayson and about his uh, family and kids. And and I talked to you about uh, my little family and my son. And ha- as you've heard, every family and every situation is different. There's a, uh, you know, all kids are individuals. One size does not fit all. And uh, there's no one set playbook on how to raise your kids. You've got to start from the heart. You've got to be there with love and you've got to be open-minded and patient. And you learn all these things because the kids teach you. They force you to do that. And like anything else in life that you want to be successful in, in terms of relationships particularly, is you got to pay attention. You pay attention to your kids. Don't stare at the phone and uh, you'll develop a strong bond. And that's the greatest bond you can ever have. And the other thing is you heard Brett's story and you heard my story and the, the key thing is be appreciative. You know, there are no mistakes. We get what we're supposed to get, I guess, for whatever lessons we're supposed to learn. But if you're fortunate enough to have healthy kids and a healthy relationship with your child or children, you're lucky and be appreciative of it. So Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. It all started with my novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love. It's a rom-com. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called The Male Sex in the City. You can pick up the book on Amazon and uh, any place else where they sell books. Guys, Guys Radio, over 350 shows. We've been on uh, KCAA for a couple of months now, but there's also 350-plus podcasts that are on iTunes and Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, uh, Blog Talk Radio, and iHeartRadio now where we're nationwide. So it's fantastic and we're growing. And uh, what, what, what I'm doing is basically bringing information and ideas to all you seekers out there who, who want to learn and want to know more and want to see beyond what the media feeds us every day, the traditional media. There's a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of answers out there. There's a lot of ways to look at different situations and ways to live your life. You don't have to do it how they tell you to do it. Um, you're going to have to pay your bills, of course, but you can you can do what you want to do if you put your mind to it. Um, you can also read my blog on my website, my syndicated blog at robertmanni.com. And we're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hit me up there. And I thank you so much for following uh, Guys Guys Radio. You can download any of the shows on iTunes and all the other platforms I mentioned. And we're going to be back here uh, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, KCAA 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, and 10.50 AM. Until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>